Hello Life Changes Church, thank you so much for joining us today. We've got an amazing word for you, so get your pens and your notebooks ready because God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy. I'm going to preach this morning on, on God and work. God and work. Well, what does God say about our work, about our vocation, about our profession, about our working life? What does the Bible and God teach us about our work. And I realize in this room there will be many people that are doing many different things. There are the project managers, there are the architects. I see Tash there as a doctor. There would be people that are looking after children. There would be people, our Uber drivers, our, our crypto, our crypto friends there, Josh and his cronies there. Crypto trading, I'm not sure what that is. Luke making money off arbitrage. I don't even know what quite what he does. There will be people in this room that are doing many different things, many different professions, many different jobs. Um, I also realized this morning there probably would be people in this room or people that you know that are looking for work. Um, South Africa has an unemployment rate of 35%. It's the highest in the world that there are many people in our country looking for work. They estimate in the youth in our country that real number is more than 60% of people that would like to be working but aren't working at the moment. So maybe you're in this place and you're trusting God for work. Maybe you know of a friend or a family member that you're trusting that they will be able to find work. And I think God is speaking to us this morning and showing us what He has in store for us. Um, and there are questions that I've had as, as I've been working, questions about the job that I'm in, is this the right job? Is this the right job for me? Um, why am I working for this boss? Uh, why, why did I get this manager? Of all the managers in all the world, why am I working for this person? Is my work meaningful? I feel like I'm more than this. I feel like I could do more than this. I feel like I should be doing more than this. Maybe I'm, I'm looking for work. I can't find work. How do I get work? These are all very real questions that me personally are faced in my life. And I think as we go and as we're honest with ourselves, many of us in this room would have faced too. Um, I have the privilege of, of preaching sometimes. Uh, my wife and I, we led a life group for many years. Um, but I too have also worked as, as an employee for, for many years. I, I know what it is to have a boss. I know what it is to be a colleague. I know what it is also to, to be a boss to other people. So this morning I preach from my experience of what that is, what that looks like in the workplace, and also my experience of reading God's Word and what does God say about these big questions. Is that good? Cool. Let's jump into it. I'm going to be reading from Genesis 2. Um, it's just after Genesis 1. Um, so if you, if you want to turn there, it's, uh, page 1 is Genesis 1, and you can stick on to, to Genesis 2. So would you, would you turn, um, turn there this morning? It'll be on the, on the screen behind me as well. Genesis 2. And I want to read it. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the earth. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And then it goes on, verses 9, all the way through, just to describe, basically describing the garden of Eden. And we jump down, and Paul, we can jump down to verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning, and we come with open hearts, open minds. Would you show us, Jesus, this morning what what your word says about our work, what your word says about us in those environments and those situations. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. One of, the kid, one of the questions we ask our kids quite often is, what, what would you like to be when you grow up? Hey, I don't know if you, maybe, maybe for those that are a bit younger, still think about that question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, if you asked me when I was younger, what did you want to be when you grow up? I would probably have said rich. I would like to be rich. Um, maybe or what, if somebody would ask me what kind of work would you want to do? I'd say, I'd like to work. This is a true story when I was younger, but by the time I'm 40, I want, I want to have retired. That was my, my goal in life. I, I'd like to retire because my thinking then, I see some heads nodding in the, the front row there, because the thinking, my thinking then was, if I could retire early, if I could stop working early, then, then my real life would start. Then I, could, then I could really start living. You know, if I just had a, a big bank balance, with, that could cater for all my needs and didn't actually have to go to work, then I could, then the real work could start, you know, the real, the real life could start. A philanthropist, hey? <laughs> could put a, put a nice phrase, nice title to it. Sounds very professional. Philanthropy. Basically, what a philanthropist does is they've got a big, big pot of money and they have to spend their time giving money away to everybody in need, saying, you can have a bit, you have a bit, oh, you need a bit, you have a bit, can do great work with that. Um, but that was my, my life ambition and my life goal was to be a philanthropist. Scott, the philanthropist. But as I've, as I've gone through the journey of <laughs> maturing, that's part of, part of it, but also the, the, the process of, of diving into God's Word, my, my view on work has changed. Um, it's also changed by the fact that I need to pay bills. Um, there are things like school fees and water and rates and electricity that don't go away. That's also part of it. But there's a, my view on, on how God sees work has changed and has grown. And I want to share some of that with you this morning because I think the story of, of Genesis 1 and 2 gives us a, a fantastic blueprint of, of what it means to work and what meaningful work Look like, looks like. Genesis 1 verse 1 starts off with this phrase, God created. God created. And basically, the story of Genesis 1, as it explains what God created, goes through those six days of creation, of God forming the earth, filling the earth, and God creating this beautiful environment that we see ourselves in. God rested, and God, in that creation story, he then hands over that creation mandate. He appoints and gives the creation mandate to man and woman who are in the garden at the time. And if you turn um, Genesis 2 verse 7, it, sorry, Genesis, yes, Genesis 2 verse 7, it said, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. I'm going to go one verse back. Um, it says, 
Sorry, guys. I've got my notes here. I've got one. I'm just looking for the scripture here. Genesis 2 verse 15. There we go. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Basically, God appointing man into that garden to work it and to take care of it. This idea of man and woman caring for the Garden of Eden, this perfect place. Before, before sin enters the world, before, there is a, before the fall, in a sense, man and woman get given this mandate to work, to be carers of the garden. And sin does, sin does enter the world when, when Adam and Eve fall, they eat the fruit and basically get, get their fig leaves and get asked to leave the garden. But the reality is, is that the mandate of work happens before the fall. In an environment of perfect union and communion with God, we are mandated to work, to work. And not just work, but to be gardeners, to be gardeners. I'm, I'm not much of a gardener myself, but, but my kids, they, they're three and two, they, they love their gardening. They, actually, they take it very seriously. Um, they've each got their watering cans and their little front-end loaders and their excavators, and they, they love it. They pick up the snails and distribute them all over the garden to all the strategic locations so they can eat my wife's plants. Um, but very, very proud of their work in the garden. Christopher, he's got this little section where, where he built... Um, He's basically planted some trees, and he helped our gardener um, just basically work, do a bit of work in the garden. That's, he refers to that as his work. That's his work, and he's so proud of it. He doesn't want anybody to go close to it. It's not Zach's work. It's not mommy or daddy's work. It's his work. Um, and then our real gardener comes in every second Saturday, and then we actually see the real work. And I'd, for those of you who love working in the garden, maybe, maybe that's you. It's not, it's not me. I, I enjoy watching people work in the garden. But for those of you who love working in the garden, we'll know that, that gardening is, is hard work. Real gardening is hard work. For those of you who, who don't believe me, if you need to plant a tree, a big tree, try to dig a, try to dig a one by one by one meter hole. Just try, give it a little go. Chris is smiling because I know he's, he's probably giving it a bash. But your, your soft, tender hands will not last very long um, when you need to, to dig that hole. And it's the reality of gardening, of God appointing Adam and Eve as gardeners, is that it's work. It's hard work. It's all, not all sunshine and roses. It's not about sitting back and observing, sitting back and critiquing, sitting back and pointing the finger. The mandate of work that God has given us is hard work. It's about putting your shoulder into something, committing yourself to something, and working with the Lord to make something, to form something, to prune something, to take something out, to put something on. And that's, I think, what the mandate is that we've been called to this morning, is to put our shoulder to something and work with the Lord on that. And work is part of God's original design. Work is not something that happened because of the fall. We are made to be contributors to the world we're in. We are made to do something together with the Lord. I was listening to a great interview with Obama, Barack Obama, the previous um, president of the United States, and he, asked, he was asked for career advice. What, what career advice would you give to youngsters? And, and his response was this. I thought it was so good. He said, people have become experts at, at critiquing, at picking things apart, at having their say about things, at pointing out everything that's wrong with what's going on. But there are very few people that are prepared to do something about it. 
and in his advice in terms of how he would encourage people in their professional walk as they want to grow and, and build, build up a, a career for themselves is be a person that is a part of the solution to those problems you see, not just people that critique it. And to me, that's such a great analogy of the gardener in terms of somebody that has his hands in the soil and working that soil and, and doing, doing all that he's called to do. Work is part of the original design. Um, I, I spent some time in a factory. I've actually spent most of my working life in factories and in and out of factories. Um, and the one, there was a factory I was working in. Was, there were about 1,000 people working in that factory. Um, and, and we got a, a, the managers, we got a message the, the week before to say there were some special visitors coming the next week. Um, so basically, as we all do, we, we set up WhatsApp groups to, to arrange things. That's, like, that's the new thing to do. If a WhatsApp group gets formed, it means something's going to happen. Um, so we set up this WhatsApp group about these special visitors coming, they, when they were going to be arriving, what they were going to do, wh who, where were they going to go visit. And basically, it was the, the CEO and chairman of, of that business that were coming to visit the factory. And it was, it was something actually a bit, a bit out of a movie, you know, where you've got these people that get helicoptered in. I mean, they happen to drive, but they might as well have been helicoptered in. Um, and basically, it was like, you know, where you've got one person running ahead, and they're sort of shifting people aside, and you know, if it's shifting the people that don't look quite right, or hiding that, hiding that rubbish away, or, you know, it's just like chaperoning these two incredibly important people through the factory, and they see sort of the best case scenario of what this factory looks like. I remember we even stopped processing on some lines just so that it could look like it was under control. And everything was, everything was working and everything was just, you know, it was utopia. And they would basically went back, had some coffee and they left and everyone sort of breathed a sigh of relief and you, everyone can carry on with, with normal life. And that's a, it's a strange thing that. It's a strange thing because I think in, in our current context, or often in the working world, different value is placed on different types of work. That, and I think the world can see it that the value and the dignity of your work is determined maybe by how much you paid for it. Could be. It could be that the value of your work is determined by what your job title is, as an example. And I think when we look at God's word, I think that that gets confronted head on. I think that God challenges that in Genesis 1 and 2 in terms of what is the value of each person's work. Um, in Genesis, 1 verse, Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God, in the beginning, with his hands in the dirt, forms man and woman in his likeness. It says, God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Created each man in his image. Each man and woman with their own set of unique skills, with their own set of abilities, their own set of personality, all of those things to do the work that they have been called to do. And that appointment, that, that sort of mandate is from each, is from God to each and every single person. It's not, it's not appointed to one person who must appoint to somebody else. It's not given to the CEO who then decides who needs to do what work and at what time. That appointment, that mandate is from God to each and every single person. 
And it's according to what God has gifted you with in terms of what skills has God put in your hands, what has God put in front of you, what opportunities are there in terms of how we respond to that mandate. Each of us have defined work. Each of us have uniquely defined work. And I would go too far as to say that all work, all work that we do has value and is important. There is dignity in all work. The, um, Dorothy Sayers in World War II um, said this, she said this, that the biblical doctrine of work is the gracious expression of creative energy in the service of others. The gracious expression of creative energy in the service of others. As we saw God do it, this wonderful, our beautiful maker, creative energy, God creating the, creating the world so that we could inhabit it and worship him, us too are mandated to use the creativity that we have in us and do that as unto the Lord so that we too can glorify Him. And I think we can look at that on so many different levels, in so many different jobs, so many different opportunities. And two, I would say that there are, are times when, when you may be in a position or maybe in a job where you feel like, yo, is this, I'm actually, I'm actually a bit... I feel like I'm a bit more than this, you know. I feel like I can do a bit more than this. I feel like I can, I can execute higher than this, you know. I feel like my education is more than what, what I'm busy doing right now. I think that's also a very real consideration. I remember in that same factory, there was a guy, he came, um, he was from up in Africa, and he came down to, uh, to South Africa to work, and he was a qualified doctor, and there was some issues with his um, his certification and he couldn't get that that his degree transferred to South Africa and he was doing technical specifications so basically m managing documents making sure those specifications he was completely overqualified for what he was tasked to do but his his attitude was incredible his attitude was I am overqualified and everybody knew it but we couldn't make any change at that stage but I'm going to do this to the best of my ability and he didn't say it, but I could almost hear him saying it. I'm going to do this in a way that honors God. And just, I feel like there's such pride in that to say, this is what is in front of me. I'm going to do this as unto the Lord. I'm going to do this for the Lord. And in that, there is incredible dignity and incredible value. And there is value in all work, values in all kinds of work. One of my favorite books you can we can go to the next screen, is the, the Practice of the Presence of God. It's written by Brother Lawrence. Um, it was written in the, in the 1600s, many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago. It's, it's one of those little booklets. It's a, it's a small book that has kind of stood through the ages. Um, and it's about somebody that, that worked at a monastery. That's where the, where the monks go. That's kind of where they hang out. Um, but he, he was the chef at, at the monastery, so he was, he was skilled in, in um, peeling carrots, or I don't know, you know, as, as chefs are. Um, he was skilled at making food, and he decided that, that he would commit his life to doing that to the best of his ability as unto the Lord, and would invite the Lord into his profession, which was to make food for the spiritual people, was to make food for the priests or the monks, make food for the people that were supposed to be leading the spiritual conversation, I put that in inverted commas in a sense, and just he writes this book about the practice of the presence of God as a chef in a monastery, and just the incredible truths that come from that. That's so, that's encouraging to me 
in terms of we are called to be doing different things, and we, sometimes we are, find ourselves in situations of doing mundane tasks, but if we invite the Lord into that, I think He can make something remarkable out of our lives. And then finally, so we know that work is by original design. It's the way the Lord intended it. There is dignity in all work. And I think the Lord mandates us to work and to rest. That work is not a never-ending treadmill that never slows down, and we just need to stay on it for the rest of our lives. There is a mandate, too, for us to rest. This natural rhythm that the creation story tells us that we go from God coming out the blocks, <laughs> in a sense, creating the earth and all that was in it in six days. And then it says this in Genesis 2. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God works for six, and on that seventh day, he rests. <laughs> I like that. I like it. I like it a lot. There is, there is a rhythm to that, and there is a, almost a design to that that I think we, we need to take seriously. I mean, Old Testament gets very clear about, about the Sabbath and what that means. And we're not, we're not bound by, by the strict rules of what is or isn't Sabbath anymore. But there is an element of us needing to rest, rest, that is per God's design. I remember being in a, an environment, um, I, w- I would even call it a, a toxic work environment, where there was an expectation to, to work all day, every day. When I, arrived, um, when I arrived there, one of the managers, he was very proud to tell me that he had worked the last seven weeks for seven days a week. He had, he had been going. So seven times, it's like 49, 50 days. In at the office at six, out at six, been going for the last seven days. You know, and it's, it almost feels like, um, I don't know, maybe he wanted me to give him a high five or something. I don't, I'm not sure what he was expecting. Um, but, but there's some cultures where, where somebody would say something like that, and people are like, oh, wow, well done, buddy. Like, we all need to rest, but somehow you, you're the hero, you know? We, we, um, we glamorize overwork, or it can be done in workplaces, where somehow if you're the one responding to emails at 2 o'clock in the morning, well, <laughs> high five, you know? Naughty badge. Bing! I don't know. And, uh, and I think we need, to, we need to challenge that, because also being in that work, that work environment for, for a, a certain amount of time there are, there are things that start to fester and grow in an environment like that. People start to get sick. People start to become unpleasant people. People start to become bullies. People who actually leave the office at 5 o'clock, everyone kind of asks, are you working a half day? It's, it's fine as a joke, but if there's an environment or unsaid rule that we work here until 9, 10 o'clock every night and we don't have any times for our family, that, that isn't a healthy environment, and it's not healthy. I think some of us would know what it is to work in that environment, but I think it's unhealthy because of original design in terms of how God intended. God intended that we push hard. God intended that we work hard. We are gardeners. We've got to get in there, get stuck in there, and God intended, too, that we rest. And we don't need to be bound by what rest looks like. I think Old Testament, they took it a bit far in terms of 
you can't move a piece of dirt or whatever it is, or, you know, rest for you may be, look different to rest for somebody else. Maybe rest for you is running up the mountain. Maybe you, say, you hear that and you're like, you're crazy. You're like, it sounds like work to me. Um, but rest for each of us is about recharging, is about, is about, actually it's probably about taking time to worship. You know, and, and for worship for some, maybe running up a mountain and spending time with the Lord on top of that mountain and rest for others, maybe taking a slower day at home and actually having time to breathe and to, take a, to review and reflect and to take a moment. We have to rest. It's critical. And I think if I look at Scripture and I look at what God said, there's also there's a deeper, there's a deeper rest that, that God has invited us into. So physically, I think we are designed to work and have space to recover and work and have space to recover, and that, that's an ongoing rhythm. But there too, I think, is there is a deeper rest that we are invited into by the Lord. Hebrews 4, verses 9 to 11, it says this. It says, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. As God created the world in these six days, and on the seventh day he rested, that rest that God, God ordained in the seventh day is actually, is actually ongoing. It actually doesn't end. And we get invited, as it says in Hebrews, invited into God's rest that we work from a place of rest, not for rest. That we work from the Lord's rest, not as a sense of needing to strive to get into His rest. And it's the rest of the creation story. It's the rest of Genesis 1 and 2. And it's the rest, too, of the crucifixion, of the work done on the cross. That as Jesus died for us, the work of our salvation is done. The work of what needed, to be, what needed to be dealt with on that cross, Jesus taking the sin of the world on his shoulders, dying for our sins, that work is complete. And we find our identity, we find our meaning, we find our purpose, we find all that we are in Christ and in God the Father. And from that place... We work. You, you, you're following me. It's, it's completely on its head because I think if I'm honest, if I look back to that work environment where that, that champion was going seven days a week for seven, for seven hours, for 77, you know, just, just energize a bunny nonstop, there was an element of him needing to get something out of that work that, that wasn't being filled somewhere else. There was, a, there was an emptiness or a, a bucket that was empty that he needed the high five from management to say, you're a champion, well done, keep going, nobody else can do it like you do, you're the hero. There was something that needed filling there that he didn't get from somewhere else. And I think as believers, as community of believers, as Christ followers, we come from a place of having that bucket filled by the Lord. That the Lord has done a work inside of us. Our identity, that we know that we are loved, that we are beautifully and wonderfully made, is settled. It's settled. And from that place, we go and we work and we dominate and we do awesome stuff. But, but we go into those situations 
in that confidence. And I think that, that change is significant because, because if we don't have that settled, I think we're in danger of making some bad calls, if I'm, if I'm completely honest. I think we're in danger of maybe taking a job for the money and taking the promotion because it's a bit extra every month, but you just know it's going to be bad for your family. Maybe you would be tempted to stay in a toxic work environment because that's just where it needs to be and, and you need to get that affirmation. Um, there are times too where we need to work just because we have to put food on the table and that's a, that's a, that's a valuable thing, an important thing. But I think importantly is that taking that from knowing that we are, we are sons and daughters of the Most High and stepping into that with confidence. And two, I think if we have that, we can also make the right calls in some situations. Know when, when to step out, when to step in, when to say yes, when to say no. Knowing that affirmation from our boss is not the be-all and end-all. Affirmation from, from that affirmation from the Lord is the thing that settles, that settles it all. So what now? <laughs> so we've spoken about these, these high um, arching principles, you know? It's up there, and, it's, and, uh, and uh, you, you, these re resonate with you, I'm sure, in terms of, of God appointing us to do work. Work is by design. There's value in all work and the importance of rest in each of our situations. So what now? What now? Because I know the vast majority of us Tomorrow morning, that alarm's going off at 6 o'clock, and there's somebody waiting for you. You know, there's a boss that's going to that's gonna be upset if you're not there by, by 7 o'clock, you know. Some of us need to sell our own time, like the storytellers here in the front row. I mean, Jared and Keisha, that's what they do is tell stories. But they need to sell their time. If they're not selling their time, they're not, they're not, they're not getting an income. There are, there are things that start turning from tomorrow, and we need to hear what the Lord is saying to each of us. Maybe there's some here that... Tomorrow you start looking again. You keep looking again for work because you realize that if I don't get work soon, there are some people are going to start knocking. You know, there's, there's bills that need to be paid, and that's very, very real. So there are people that I think in very different circumstances here, in very different, different environments, in different challenges, and with sort of the, the, overarching, the overarching principles in place, Maybe some, some, practical, some practical advice, some, some, um, some lessons from the street, as they say, <laughs> and lessons from God's Word. For, for those who are, who are looking for work, for those who, who need work, it's a, it is a difficult place to be. It can feel like a desperate place to be at times. But really there's an encouragement and we're going to have time to pray into that now but God is with you in that time as, as Mish said shared during the worship it's, it's an uncomfortable place to be but God is working in that and he's working through that and again I think it's to in that time there, there may also be an opportunity as Mish said to, to reflect and to rest and that's a good thing and in that too to take time in terms of understanding what, what has God put in your hand, in your specific hand? What skills do you have that are unique? Maybe what has God equipped you for that you can do that other people can't? Unique giftings, callings that God would have put in your hand for you to exercise. Maybe that's some things to think about. 
There's also the element of being gardeners in that time, of being active in that time. Don't, my, my advice to you is don't be passive in a time of looking for work. Make sure you're knocking on doors, you are, you are updating your CV, you are getting documentation in place. Maybe you need to get your ID, maybe you need passports, maybe you need working permits, maybe those things. Do those things in those times to say, God, I'm, I'm gardening. I'm, I'm a gardener. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and wait. I'm going to garden. I'm going to garden in this time and trust God that when that opportunity comes, I'm ready. I've got my bank accounts, my CV, my ID, all of it's ready. I'm going to send it in, and that, when that job comes, I'm, I'm good to go, and I'm equipped and ready for it. And then to trust, to trust God that there would be an opportunity would open up for you to exercise those skills. It's a, it's a brave thing, but I wonder... If, if you, maybe you directly, or maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that you know in your direct family is, is trusting for work, very real thing, is trusting for work, would you stand? I, I'd like us to pray this morning because I feel like there's faith and there's encouragement and there is, there is God wants to do something this morning. So if, if it's you or somebody you know in your direct family that you're trusting, you're trusting for work at this stage, would you be brave enough to stand? And let's pray, let's pray together to say, God, would you, would you come and meet with us this morning? You, you might be standing for somebody that you know, standing in proxy, and that's great. And I think God is going to do something this morning. Let's reach our hands out to each person that's standing. Lord Jesus, we thank you for each and every person that's standing. Thank you for people that have taken the courage to say, I need a change, I need, a, I need an intervention. I need work. I need employment. For those that are standing on behalf of other people too, we pray wherever they are at the moment that your presence would be real to them and would you minister to them. And we pray for these wonderful people that are beautifully made in your image, that have been given the skill, that given the unique talents that God, our creator, you have given to them, that doors would open where they can exercise that, they can work, they can be gardeners, they can create, they can design for the betterment of those around them. I pray that in this coming week, there would be the, that phone would ring, that interview would come, that contract would, would pop in their inbox, that contact of somebody that they know would speak to somebody else that they know would say, look, I'm looking for somebody, would you, would you come through and fill this position? Maybe it's short-term contracts, maybe it's long-term employment, all of those things would come together as we trust you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's grab a seat. The second, the second group of people just want to address practically in terms of how we do this is maybe you're working in an oppressive environment. <laughs> in your hands? <laughs> there we go. See that hand there? And I, I, I have an appreciation for it because I, I know, and it's, it sucks. And Monday to Friday, 8 to 5, is a long time. <laughs> it's long. Sunday's quick, you know. We eat an out here. We've got some coffees. Everyone's high-fiving. Then the lab goes off on Monday morning. You're like, ah, got to go and see that guy, you know. Got to go and see that boss. Got to have his judgmental eyes all over me for the week and him getting upset with me for every little thing, nitpicking my work, you know. Being in, a, in an impressive work environment, it sucks. And it's hard. And it's not easy, and it can feel at times like it's never ending. Because there's no out. Because I need this job for the salary. I need 
that's real. You know, I've got to provide for my family. I've got to do these things. I've got to, I've got to put food on the table. I've got to, I've got to I, there's, no, there's no way out of this, but this is not a good environment for me. I'm not growing. I'm not thriving. I'm not, I'm not stepping into what God's called me to. And I think God calls for unique obedience in that time. I remember um, working at a different job, and I had a, I had a slippery boss. Um, you know what I mean? It's just... You just, you just go, you go, you talk like this, and then you just, things are not quite what they seem, you know. He'll agree to you somewhere, and then it'll just come back around you, and just, you just know things are, it's not, you're not playing a fair game. Just as you speak to him, he's got an agenda on something else, and that agenda will, you'll, you'll know at some point what that agenda was, and it's not what you thought it was. A slippery, slippery character. Flip-flop, was we used to call him, anyway, but that's... That was, anyway, no, no, sorry, guys, I, not to his face, it was, anyway, anyway, but he, he was, uh, anyway, but I just remember, I remember going for a run one time when I was, when I was, um, when I was working for him, and just, and actually praying unto the Lord, and I said, Lord, if I need to serve this person for the rest of my professional life, for the rest of my working life, I will, I will. Something inside me had to settle quite deeply, that if this is the person you've asked me to serve, I'll do it, and I'll do it faithfully and diligently. And, and I, I settled something deep within me. It was still difficult and still challenging, but I settled something deep within me. And, and in that, and actually quite soon after that, things changed and, and things moved. Um, things moved and, I, and I'm the boss, so I can make those decisions later. <laughs> jokes, 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 jokes. But uh, things, things moved and things changed. And I think of somebody like Daniel in, um, in, in, in the Bible, where he's, he's actually serving foreign gods, you know, and these are not, these are, I can guarantee you the people that Daniel had to serve are not your rosy, your guys, let's create great culture in the business, you know? They weren't those, they were kings and people in high authority that would, if they looked at you funny and told somebody else to chop your head off, that was the end of it. And that was the environment that he served in, served under many different foreign kings and rulers and excelled in that, in doing it as unto the Lord. And I think there's a, a, a calling or a spirit of Daniel that we need to take up to say, God, I am serving this person, but as unto you, and as unto you. And I think, too, God hears, God hears the cry of the oppressed, not to, hear that, not to think that your cries go unanswered. If you look at the Israelites, too, as they were oppressed by Pharaoh, God heard their cry and delivered them. And I think that deliverance will come, but maybe it's not tomorrow or in the next week. So... Again, if you're feeling brave enough, would you stand? And hopefully your boss isn't in the room. I'm jokes, jokes. But I mean, but maybe it's, or maybe it's somebody you know. Maybe you want to stand behalf on somebody you know. Would you stand if you feel like you're in an oppressive environment? You feel like, guys, I'm in an oppressive environment. I'm serving somebody that isn't honoring God and isn't honoring me either. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for each and every person standing this morning that finds themselves in an environment that isn't, isn't honoring of you and working for a person that doesn't know you, a person that doesn't honor you in the words that they say, in the judgments that they pass, in, in how they go about their life. And I pray if they're standing for themselves or for somebody they know, I pray that you would come and intervene, Lord. Intervene in their thinking in terms of knowing that all that they do is unto you, Jesus, that you are their boss. Jesus, you are our ultimate boss. But these earthly bosses, 
we serve them too, Lord. And we want to serve them diligently and serve them faithfully. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. And then last group are the, the business owners. One of a word of prayer and encouragement for you too. Because I know my, my friend Brett, I know there's people here that if you don't get out there and make it happen, it's not going to happen. I often joke with Brett, he's in his active wear at, at 10 o'clock in the morning. But I, but I also know for a business owner, you can wear your active wear whenever you want. You, know? you can wear it 24-7 if you like. Because if you're not out there making the work come in, you're never going to get work and you're not going to get paid. So that's, and that's the reality. And I think there's a unique call on the entrepreneurs and the business owners this morning in terms of taking on that mandate, actually being, being God-like in, in a sense, and creating and making space for others in terms of making employment, creating jobs, creating space. And it's a heavy burden because there's no boss. Your, your boss is... I was going to say your boss is your wife, but because um, she's, <laughs> she's going to let you know about it if there's, if there's no food on the table. But, um, but there's, no, there's no boss in that situation in a sense. You, you, are, you are your own boss, which sounds to everybody that works in a corporate, it sounds glorious, sounds like a holiday, sounds like you can drink smoothies at 10 o'clock every morning, but actually there's a, there's a heavy weight that comes with that. And it's, it's, a, it's a big responsibility. So if you're a business owner, would you stand this morning? I'd like to pray, pray specifically for you. If you find yourself in the position where you are the breadwinner, you are the one that if you do not bring it in, it's not, it's not coming in. There's no, um, there's no, you're not on a, on a set payroll where the 25th of every month, you know, it's coming in. That you, you're manufacturing that. And I want to pray for you this morning. My prayer for you is from 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10. It says this, Oh, Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it, I might, it, so that it might not bring me pain. It's a beautiful prayer from Jabez to say, Lord, would you enlarge my territory? Would you bless me? And I pray for every single person that's standing here that is trusting you as a business owner, as somebody who is holding the weight of that small business, medium business, large business, knowing that it rests with him or her, it rests with you. And there are people whose salaries, there are people whose livelihoods depend on you to make that happen. And I pray for you in this environment, in this challenging environment of South Africa, of load shedding, of all that we have, that God would enlarge your territory and God would enlarge your business God would enlarge your mandate to grow and to be fruitful and to multiply. And in that fruitfulness, there would be space created. There would be room created for others to thrive and others to grow. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, we hope you were encouraged and inspired by that word today. If you would like to know more about what's happening in the life of the church, please check out our socials on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or check out our website, lifechanges.org.za. Enjoy your day.